right, guys, we're back. We are. Um, episode one. Yeah, our first episode. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we have some good stuff for you today. Um, we opted to talk about something that's affecting everybody right now. So, super exciting, lots of good information, personal experiences, I'm going to hit you with some science, because that's what I do, and um, Christina's going to hit you with some life stuff, because that's what she does, and uh, we're diving in. So guys, are you ready? Let's talk about anxiety. Yes, we have it, it's part of us, it is what it is. Um, so the reason why I decided to talk about anxiety is because I feel like it's very relevant. Um, what happened is during everything that happened back in March with the pandemic, like the big elephant in the room, COVID-19, a lot of people started experiencing anxiety possibly for the first time. Yes. Where's your mask? I mean, are you you hitting the mask thing with me? I'm just saying that we're not social distancing and I feel unsafe because you're not wearing a mask. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I almost, I'm I almost kidding. That was twisted. I like, shouldn't, I, I was, shouldn't have said that. That was so fucked up. So, like, so seriously? So, <laughs> so, I do have to say that I think that it's very important, and I know I'm not minimizing the pandemic whatsoever. However, no. um, an important thing, and we'll hit this a little bit late, later in our uh, segment on coping skills and managing anxiety, um, it's important to laugh. You got to have fun with it sometimes. Absolutely. Laughter is um, excellent medicine. And it actually, I think, laughter can be a really good coping skill. Totally, yeah. For anxiety. No, I'm just kidding. So anyway, back <laughs> to anxiety. Um, listen, a lot of people... Okay, so there's people in this world, like myself, who I struggle with anxiety for my whole life. Um, I have generalized anxiety. Um, Danielle also has anxiety. Um, I'm actually diagnosed. Um, I am too. Yeah, she is too. And we actually um, have been working on this on our own for quite some time. So when when the pandemic sort of hit, like back in like March, like first of all, my anxiety was like a 10, like a 10 out of 10. I was like super anxious, didn't know what was happening. Um, I've learned over time how to manage it, which I'll get to a little bit later. Um, but if anxiety was hitting for me really high and I've learned how to manage it, I can only imagine how it was hitting for people who don't normally experience it. It's an utter, it's an utterly anxiety provoking situation. I mean, you, everything's closing, everything's changing, everything's different. So naturally you are going to feel more anxious. And for a lot of people, and I don't know about you, um, but in my experience, um, treating people that they were experiencing these feelings of anxiety for the first time like they didn't really know what this was and typically and when I say anxiety I don't mean like your basic like little nervousness nerves about something I mean basically like this intense feeling of um panic and discomfort and instability internally so an important thing to um to kind of as a disclosure I guess is anxiety is normal it's a very natural thing and Mm -hmm. if we didn't have anxiety us as a human race would not be here Mm -hmm. so um there is healthy anxiety and then there's intrusive anxiety Mm -hmm. um when we talk about this we're not talking about the seeing a car come as you're crossing the street and walking a little faster to get across first healthy anxiety we're talking about the uh, unhealthy anxiety, the disproportional fear, um, and the heightened emotional response to mm-hmm. a situation because we don't know how to handle it. 
but it may not be uh, in proportion to the actual situation itself. That was very well said. Thank you. I just want to normalize this um, so everyone who understands, because some of you might be listening, might not think you have anxiety. And look, I'm not here to tell you that you do have it. <laughs> like there is a huge difference, like Danielle said, between the normal anxiety or the healthy anxiety and then the intrusive anxiety. I have intrusive anxiety. So my anxiety um, comes in forms of one, I get physiological symptoms. So I get um the heart palpitations, I get um, discomfort in my stomach, like that butterfly feeling. Um, I also get, which is very, very real, I get very racing and um, obsessive thoughts. So my mind races and I tend to engage in this catastrophic type of thinking, which is basically like worst case scenarios, thinking about things that aren't happening. And I can go down that rabbit hole very, very quickly. And I have in the past, which is I mean, how I ended up in therapy in the first place. I mean, because... kind of how we all end up in therapy, isn't it? I, I was a fucking hot mess. And uh, <laughs> I didn't. I was so anxious um, uh, after a major um, life event, event sort of kind of altered my path a little bit. Um, my friends actually were like, you need to see a therapist. And I was like, I don't need to see a therapist. I'm not crazy. You know, all that. And um, I actually went and to discover the fact that I had anxiety. I had an anxiety disorder. Um, and the reason why it was categorized as a disorder, in a sense, was because looking back at my patterns, um, it had been present for quite some time. Um, it had just driven me to this point where I couldn't manage at all. I was unmanageable. The severity, the severity, the severity. Uh, the severity is also <laughs> <laughs> is also important to take into account when we're talking about diagnoses because again this is not walking a little bit faster because a car is coming as you're crossing mm -hmm. the street this is um, not being able to function in daily life mm -hmm. at a normal level because of a disproportional fear. Yeah, and I want to just point out too that at that point in time, um, my interpersonal relationships were um, unhealthy. I was irritable, I was pushing people away, I was isolating, there was definitely some depression at that time like tied into all of this. Um, my work performance was affected, um, I was uncomfortable in most social situations, so that's what Danielle means when she says the, the severity, severity. Severity, is that gonna be a thing now? <laughs> yeah, severity. The severity of it. I misspeak one time. So a lot of feedback that I've got <laughs> from people um, throughout this has been since the pandemic hit and since everyone had to quarantine, um, that feeling of unknown, which is like is, is typically anxiety provoking, um, given the circumstances, people started experiencing these more intense, more intrusive thoughts, um, you know, maybe having trouble sleeping, um, maybe, um, you know, that constant worry, maybe that ruminative, rum, ruminative, oh, that was karma. That ruminative thought process. Um, and a lot of people were basically um, compelled to, to reach out and, you know, say, I've never, I've never experienced this before. And that's okay. It's, it's, it's okay to feel that way. So a lot of the clients that I was working with, um, am working with, um, are still experiencing some of those symptoms. Mm -hmm. We've been working on these specific things together now for quite some time. Um, I mean, we're working on, we're over 200 days since, uh, we're in the state of New Jersey and the state of New Jersey went under quarantine, um, and state of emergency mid-March. So it's, what, seven months? 
Yeah. I don't even know what that is. Okay. I literally wake so up. So this at. is we also we look for this as clinicians too. We want to make sure that people know the day, the time, who the president is. So mm-hmm. we have cause for concern that Christina's unwell today. <laughs> <laughs> no, sometimes I actually wake up and I'm like, what month is it? Because this is this is what I swear this is what quarantine has done. It literally it just. Everything just sort of like... Well, it's like sleeping in a basement. Yeah. There's no sense of like time. I That's how I have felt. Like, oh my gosh, no, wait, it's fall. Yeah. I don't know. That it's, could be... It's weird. That it's could weird. be a further problem I need to explore with my own therapist. Probably. So, <laughs> so I've been working with my clients on some of the symptoms that they've been experiencing with this um, anxiety uh, surrounding the, the pandemic and the isolation that we experience. We're social creatures. We're meant to be around one another. Um, and so like not having that interaction, it takes a hit on, on, on us, on our mental, emotional yeah. needs. Um, so of course, while we've built coping skills and we've seen some changes over the course of time, at the same time, those, um, symptoms are still present and they still need to be managed, which is another great point to make about anxiety is that again, we all have anxiety we have to have anxiety in order to be healthy we have to be um we have to have some sort of a fear response which i'll talk a little bit about later uh in order for like our species to survive um but it's important for us to recognize that once we have disproportional anxiety we have to build skills to manage those behaviors, the thought processes, the physiological manifestations of, of basically the way that anxiety shows up with like physical symptoms, um, in order to make sure that we're staying healthy. This stuff does not go away overnight. Sorry. No. And that is, no, and (laughs) that is, yeah. And that is actually such a good point. Um, anxiety is, it's something to be managed. It's not something that you can just like like flip a switch and it go and it go on and off. It's something to actually be patient with and be kind to yourself with because if in fact you do have this generalized anxiety, it's not you're going to have it for the rest of your life. It is what it is. Like this is going to be a part of you and mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to debilitate you for the rest of your life. And that's part of and I, I can tell you right now any of my clients who are listening to this um and anyone who actually follows me on tiktok knows how often i talk about the, um the importance of accepting your anxiety for what it is and learning how to manage your life with your anxiety but still meeting the goals that you have still striving towards your values and i talk a lot about that so this is going to be very familiar to a lot of people who already know me it's also important to recognize that you have skills that are different than other people's skills that's as far as coping. Point. Yeah, absolutely. Like, one of the things that's really tough for me is when I'm in a state of anxiety, I'm having a moment, like, I'm freaking out, and I talk to somebody that I trust, and they're like, well, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. <laughs> or wait, no, no, no. I, ju- I literally <laughs> don't just... Don't be anxious. I you just made turn a, that off. Yes, I just made a post about this the other oh, day. Oh, thank you. Because you told me not to be anxious, I'm not anymore. Yeah. I feel fine. Yeah, I feel great. <laughs> or how about this? How about this? How about this? Just calm down. Worst thing that you can say to Worst someone who's not Worst thing calm. you can say to someone there's who's actually, not calm. There's actually scientific evidence. 
hand clap emoji. That proves <laughs> um, that when you tell somebody to calm down, it actually escalates them. <laughs> Which actually brings me to, she's right. And it brings me, oh, that shit pisses me off so much. I'm sorry, I got a sidebar for a second. Or how about the people that, that say like, Oh, it's just in your head. It's okay. It's not real. Yeah, it really is fucking real because you're not feeling what I'm feeling. Side, sidebar to the sidebar, if you're the person who's saying those things, we're not judging you. We're just trying to help you like do it better. Yeah, I want you to be better. <laughs> just be better. Please be better because it's we not... Pre- we the, appreciate your effort. At the end of the day, saying things like that to someone who's in the midst of experiencing this anxiety, it... it it's just invalidating them. It is a completely... First of all, let me just let me just put this out there. It is okay to feel anxious. Now, I know that it feels uncomfortable, and I know that, it, that it's not the most pleasant thing that you're going through, but it is okay to have your feelings. So by someone saying, just calm down, it's not real, that's invalidating your feelings, and that's actually more destructive than it is helping that person and like danielle said what you just said before about um you said it better than i'm going to right now what did you say before about it increases the anxiety right it actually escalates the person escalate was the word that was i was looking for escalates the person further so this is a good segue into the science oh danielle wants to talk about science i'm gonna let her talk about science okay so this is very exciting for me all right if you don't have anxiety, you're wrong. And this is a problem <laughs> because everybody has anxiety. Yeah. If you don't have anxiety, you probably haven't made it this far in life. Um, anxiety is a fear response. So let's get down to the science. I'm so excited. Oh my God. <laughs> um, if you could see her right now, she's like, she's like vibrating. Like, <laughs> I love it. Okay. Um, so oftentimes we'll talk about, uh, clinicians will talk about something called the lizard brain. Um, lizard brain is a, um, like nickname basically for the primitive functions, um, that we have. Um, so a lot of those things are fear responses. Fight or flight, freeze is one that's added in there, um, more recent years. So anxiety is a fear response. Anxiety is extremely important to our survival. Anxiety keeps us from dying every day. If we didn't have anxiety, well, let's get old school here. If, if you know the game Frogger, <laughs> that's what you are if you don't have anxiety. <laughs> wow, you really went old school. I did. I oh, love that game. Oh, you little millennial, you. <laughs> Played it on my PS2. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so... Um, I had Nintendo. That's fine. The original. That's so did okay. I. I traded it in for... Actually, it was PS1, I think. Okay. But I digress. digress. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right. So the lizard brain um, needs anxiety to function in a way to keep us alive. So essentially what's happening is we have fear responses that we store in our brain that have a, <laughs> a heavier weight. If you imagine that memories have weights um, and the heavier ones are the ones that we grab first... Um, Anything that involves a fear response is going to be a heavier weighted memory. So basically, there are go-tos, the ones that stay in front, so that when we have an experience that triggers that memory, we are aware that there is a, a very important response that goes with it that we need to repeat in order to keep ourselves alive. Now, um, I love how you just normalize that with like science. 
Oh, that's what it is. Yeah, I love but, that. But everything has a function. And this is the reason why I get so excited about the science end of things, is that everything has a function. We're designed this way. I'm a design person. Sorry, guys. Uh, we're designed this way. In, everything has a function. Everything has a function. Everything has a function. It all, it's, Hashtag, it's all, everything has a function. It's all so that like, we can stay alive. Mm-hmm. It's really exciting stuff. And to think that mm-hmm. like you know we, we conceptualize these things just because we're uncomfortable as problems. Mm-hmm. And in reality, they're not. Like, our body's doing exactly what it's designed mm-hmm. to do. Same thing with like, um, trauma responses, which we'll get into in another episode. Um, fear responses are the same way. So let's back up again. So anxiety is a fear response. I'll give you an example. I have uh, Greta, our producer, uh, is, a German, <laughs> is a German shepherd. Greta um, is just over a year old. I adopted her at five months old. She was in an abusive home um, before I got her. <laughs> she just woofed. I don't know if you heard that. Um, <laughs> oh. And um, so we've had to do a ton of work. Now, dogs have things called fear periods, um, which is, you know, I that's a whole different thing but regardless she she has been traumatized and so um her and I have bonded very closely um but her response to others tends to be very defensive of me and appear to be aggressive she's a big baby she just wants love it's great now my mom growing up um had a neighbor who had a big German shepherd and um he was not nice. He was kept in the backyard. He probably wasn't treated well, uh, but he was very, very aggressive. Um, I'm imagining he was probably trained to be that way. And he had attacked my uncle and, um, and tore him up pretty bad. He was in the hospital. Now, be, my mom was present for that experience. I, I, think, she was, I think she watched it. Um, irrelevant. She, it made a huge impact on her. I get Greta and... Keep in mind, she's just over a year old. I've had her for seven months. My mom has met her a few times, and she just, like, last week bonded with the dog because she was so wigged out over the dog because of her experiences with the dog Mm -hmm. of the same breed in her childhood. So that would be a fear response. She's responding in order to keep herself safe because of what what impactful information she learned Mm -hmm. through an experience early in life. So... As we move through the anxiety thing, um, a lot of people have a tendency to avoid. If something makes them anxious, they avoid. Again, really great fear response for instant gratification. Not a really great fear response long term. So if we're talking about sustainability, which is part of the reason why we're here educating you, um, sustainability happens when you find something that works both somewhat in the immediate but especially long term to um to meet your need and to make the symptom more manageable the -hmm. symptom is just a piece of a function that you need to survive and so we want to make it manageable we want to make it fit into the activities of your daily life um and so part of that is just accepting that it's there and another Mm -hmm. major part of it is figuring out um why is it happening and what do I need to do to, so that I can maintain my normal functioning and still allow my body to do what it's supposed to be doing? Absolutely. And that kind of goes into, did you get all your science stuff out? I just want to make I sure. I mean, it's never all the way out. <laughs> all right. Well, that could sort of, let me just jump in because that sort of goes into um, when I was talking about managing your anxiety. So one of the most, like what Danielle said, avoiding feeling that way. So one of the most common 
things that people do to and say to themselves when they are experiencing anxiety is, I don't want to feel this way. I don't want to feel this way. Why do I feel this way? Just make it go away. I want it to go away. So the natural reaction is to go and distract yourself to do something so you're not feeling this way anymore. And I'm using that in quotes because you're still feeling it. Even though you're avoiding it and distracting it, like what Danielle said, it's instant gratification. It's still there. It's like... um. It's like, it, it's like if you um, abuse a drug to make yourself feel better. Cause we could talk about that. It's going to be a whole other episode. But um, <laughs> when you abuse a substance to make yourself feel better, in the moment it's taking it away. But the shit's still there. Because underneath the actual anxiety that you're experiencing is the reasons why um, there's deeper reasons possibly. And there's things that you need to sit with and stay with in order to move through the anxiety and i and i always like to say you want you move through things you don't get over things so along that same vein it's very important to recognize the avoidance behaviors and to minimize those because the avoidance while it's instant gratification and yes we all agree like this doesn't work long term but i'm in go mode right now and i need to survive and so i'm gonna you know do what mm -hmm. do what i need to right this second fine fine but if you're actually working on your anxiety and you're one of those people who are in therapy and you're trying to figure it out and you're you're in between like mm -hmm. that 45 minutes each week and it's time to like you know implement some of your skills you have to understand that your avoidance makes your anxiety worse. Basically what's happening on a cognitive level is that you're reinforcing over and over and over again that the thing that you're having a fear response to, that you're having an anxiety response to, actually deserves yep. to have a response like that. This reinforcement is one of those heavy-weighted memories that you grab first. You think of memories as like a Word document, and it's like you scroll through a Word document, you go to close it out, and it's like, do you want to save the changes? And you're like, I don't make right. any changes. Well, you somewhere along the way you did. So when you, you, it's like your brain says yes every single time. You mm -hmm. save that that change every single time. So you're recalling the most recent version of the document, document being your memory. So every time that you avoid an anxiety-provoking situation, you recall the last time that you were anxious and why you justified it. What happens is if you start implementing coping skills that are actually effective long-term, you're proving to yourself, I don't have to avoid this. I can move through it. Mm -hmm. And then you're taking some of the power away from the anxiety so that you can actually basically, the last document that you're storing as a memory is being recalled and you're saying like, oh wait, I remember this. I was totally anxious about it, but I made it. Mm -hmm. Yes, excellent, thank you. And I want to just, okay, so I'm just going to give you, I'm going to paint you a little, a little picture so you can understand um, the combination of what I'm speaking of and what Danielle is speaking of. So first and foremost, when you're experiencing the anxiety and anyone who is under my care will know that I will say, stop judging yourself because those feelings of, um, I don't want to feel this way. Why do I feel this way? Just make it go away is riddled with self-judgment. It's riddled with you shouldn't be feeling this way. And we all know should is a dirty word. I could probably talk for 45 minutes about that. But We should probably have a whole episode on should. On, on should, yourself. yes. Clinical term. Shoulding, yes. Clinical term. 100%. So one of the things to do is tell yourself, okay, I'm experiencing this feeling. Um, I, I guess hopefully I'm, I'm, I'm reiterating what Danielle said in an appropriate way, but um, that 
that memory is coming back in, acknowledging that you're, you have this feeling, but telling yourself that, okay, I understand why I have this feeling because this is happening. So now I need to learn how to manage it. And this is when you have to look at it like this. So let me just put it all together for you. So I want you to imagine your anxiety is like a, a pool, right? Um, you're, well, you're, you're in a pool and your anxiety is the water right? And you need to get from one side of the pool to the other side of the pool. Now, the avoidance that Danielle's talking about um, and what we want to do as a human being, because we don't want to fucking be in this water anymore, right? We don't want to be in this water. We want to jump over the pool to get to the other side. However, all of that anxiety is still there. So nothing's been worked through, nothing's been coped with, but you've just skipped everything, but it's still there. So yeah, okay, in the moment you might feel oh, okay, I feel a little bit better because I skipped over everything, but you still have to get back in that fucking pool like at the end of the day. So what you want to do is imagine yourself in that pool. Once you get to the other side in a pool, naturally you need to swim to the other side. And don't hit me with the whole, what if I can't swim? This is a metaphor. Take what it, you know, take it from you can. Take from it what you can. Um, <laughs> Why was that so hard? I think it's because I'm like, my, my mouth is going faster than my brain and I'm just... Your brain's going faster than your mouth? I'm done. I'm so done. <laughs> All right. Get in the fucking pool with me and understand. You know, we're in this pool. We need to get to the other side. So we need to swim to the other side. Where the anxiety kicks in is when you start to have those thoughts. I don't want to feel this way. The judgment comes in. You feel uncomfortable. You're crawling out of your skin. You start to go under the water. You start to drown, which you could see the anxiety would actually be taking you over. To, to not have to drown, you want to swim to the other side. So you need to keep your head above water. You need to keep kicking your legs. You need to get there. Now, mind you, you are getting to where you need to go, which is the other side of the pool. However, that anxiety, it's still there. It's still following you. It's there, but you are managing. You're moving through the anxiety. You're not skipping. You're not jumping over it, nor are you drowning. It's going with you, but you're, but you yourself are actually achieving what you need to achieve. And That's this the is functioning piece. Exactly. And wait, explain that a little bit more. So the fact that you're swimming now, you're not drowning, mm -hmm. you're not floating, you're not jumping over the pool, you're actually swimming. It's a function. The anxiety is with you. You're still completing mm -hmm. a task. You're getting where you need to go. We're not ever, ever, ever saying to you that just because you have coping skills, you shouldn't feel the anxiety or right. that you leave it in a certain space. Right. It's with you. Sorry. We all have it. We need it. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's important to acknowledge, mm -hmm. work with it, and allow it to be a part of you that you can uh, function with. Yeah. Um, another really good metaphor that um, I use for people and I did this when I did my um, act training and this is probably one of my favorite exercises act is a theoretical approach that uh, clinicians use in order to work with a client um, so we have a lot of theoretical approaches if you're not clinical um, we sometimes get caught up in our in our clinical jargon but essentially um, there's a zillion different ways to to approach a client's struggles um, and sometimes they're structured and a little bit more um, streamlined and those are theoretical approaches with a certain thought process that kind of fits the interventions that we use act is one of those yeah um it's acceptance commitment therapy if anyone wants to google it i'm probably not going to get into any more detail than that than what it is but i do want to just say this is a really quick example and a metaphor so i'm going to go ahead and grab this 
I'm going to hold this like this because this is a whole other modality and I don't want to confuse anyone if you're watching this because it's but um all right so i want you to take this book right and i want you to take a book or a clipboard or whatever you have and i want you to hold it in your hand and i want you to push it all the way out in front of you right this book is a rep or clipboard or whatever it is is a representation of your anxiety um what is behind the book would be say your goals and your values and everything that um you need to get accomplished for that day so you're going to hold that book out you can't see where you need to go because that anxiety is blocking your line of sight. So this would be about when we're in the pool and we're drowning in the anxiety. What you would do was you would take this book, right? Because this isn't comfortable. But if you put it in your lap, it's a lot more comfortable. Now, mind you, I could still feel it. It's there. But I could still now. Now I have a line of sight to get to where I need to go. And that's the functioning that you were talking about, right? Like you're still functioning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think the most important thing, regardless of uh, whether it's anxiety, trauma, depression, uh, mood disorder, um, it doesn't, a chemical issue, like, it doesn't really matter what the issue is as much as it matters what you do with it, and I think that that's a lot of where the functioning piece comes in, um, accepting, acknowledging, accepting, and, um, and working to take it with you in a functional, sustainable way. And now they're probably wondering, well, you're telling us all this shit, but now what, what, do, you, what do we do? Yeah, now, do we we have to, now we have to tell them what to do. That's okay. what we do. That's what we have to do. We oh, to by do. the way, yeah. that's not our job. We don't fix you, and we don't tell you what to do. We just guide. Yeah. We are, I do not, and I know Danielle doesn't, unless she does, I'm not really sure, have like a little magic wand that says, okay, poof, you're good. In we, October, I did. <laughs> in your spooky season. <laughs> oh god so <laughs> so one of the things that um we need to do is we need to guide our clients into learning how to cope with i really and i hate i hate saying this because it makes me sound i really hate the term coping skills it really like makes my skin crawl and it's it is what it is there's no other way to really say it strategies strategies I have a lot of people who call them strategies okay i like strategies i think i like strategies because i really hate coping skills but i know people who are really good at strategizing and i really look up to them because it takes a lot of like really good um critical thinking skills okay i like and I it i feel like I'm it here makes for this. me sound good if i'm like yeah my strategy yeah, rather it's like than empowering, like, almost. Yeah, my coping skills are my strategies. Yeah, you hear the difference? Like the empowerment that's there. Yeah, and there's ownership over that. Like my strategies, I I own that as opposed to my my skills, my toolbox. I can't with the toolbox. But anyway, so but in <laughs> but I'm I'm and I'm not and I'm please I am not bashing any clinician who uses those terms i am not whatsoever i do not judge you i'm just saying that's uncomfortable for me it's my shit somewhere i get that but look if that's what you say or that's what your therapist we, has talked about yeah we all have our like that was a our conversation things. we had earlier actually yeah uh, so just know that like that's not it's not bad it's not wrong and i'm not trying to paint it to be that way i'm just telling you how i personally like to phrase things that's all take from it what you can um, all right, so we should talk strategy. Yeah, so what do you do? Well, <laughs> there's no answers. You're stuck. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry you're listening to this. We wasted your last 30 minutes. Well, you're going to drown. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, no, no. So one thing that um, once you start to learn how to, how to manage your anxiety, I want to just say 
in the moment, I understand that it is hard to go and think, well, what are my strategies? Because you're in it. So I get that. And this isn't just a one and done thing. This isn't like, and it's not one size fits all. It's not like, you know, everything that we're telling you is going to work for you. And it's not, doesn't mean it's going to work right away or every single time. This is practice, right? We have to implement a strategy, right? And practice at it and really focus on it. Go ahead. You were going to say something. It's also, it also makes a difference when you implement your skills. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of times people think, like, I'll use something called uh, diaphragmatic breathing, belly breathing. That's huge. Diaphragmatic breathing is really big. Essentially, um, if you're watching, I'm going to demonstrate. If not, I'll describe as I go. So um, belly breathing is uh, if you put a hand on your chest and a hand on your abdomen um, right at the bottom of your ribs above your belly button, and you pay attention to which hand moves more when you breathe, you'll probably notice that the hand on your chest is moving up and down more than the hand on your abdomen. So you imagine your lungs like a bucket of water. And if you're filling up the bucket, it has to be filled from bottom to top in order for you to actually fill it because that's science. Science. Um, and also, <laughs> and also um, because you're optimizing your space that way. So if you imagine that the air moving into your lungs is water into a bucket um, and you take a big deep breath, you want to make sure that that hand on your abdomen is coming out. So very dramatically, the first couple of times, you're gonna really press your stomach outward um, as you take your breath in. And then as you, your belly comes out, the only reason that hand on your chest is moving is to make room for your belly. So your shoulders may go back, your abdomen may stretch out a little bit, and that belly is distended as much as possible. If you're watching, it looks like this. So part of the reason that we do this is because we're optimizing our lung capacity, which means that we're oxygenating our blood the most effectively. Mm -hmm. And when we have all of the things that our body needs to function, surprise, we function our best. Mm -hmm. Um, Things like diaphragmatic breathing are some really great go-tos. You can control your heart rate as well as, um, you know, ground yourself, which we'll talk more about grounding later. Um, But that grounding helps you have something to focus on. Um... If you get to a point where you're about to have a panic attack any second because you've chosen not to address your anxiety, hate to break it to you, diaphragmatic breathing's out the window. It's not going to work. You're at the point of no return. Yep. Just settle into the panic attack. However, if you start to notice the physiological symptoms, what's happening in your body when you start to feel anxious, and you implement those skills as soon as you realize that they need you need them, which is right away, you can actually minimize or like get rid of the anxiety feelings in that moment yeah i think that part of coping with anxiety or identifying strategies to help with anxiety is to understand what provokes your anxiety to begin with because if you know something is going to create a panic in you something is going to increase your anxiety be aware of that situation and be aware of the fact that so for example um i I, i'll this is a very surface well not really surface but Um, Simple example, like test anxiety. If you know that you get extreme anxiety before taking a test, then you know that you are going to be extra. So just embrace the fact you know what's going to happen. You know you're going to experience anxiety. However, do you have to slip into that panic like Danielle said? You're going to feel the physiological signs. You're going to know what's coming, and you're going to know how to manage it in a healthy way. So going with the test example, instead of allowing yourself to freak out over the test, you're going to acknowledge the anxiety. Mm -hmm. You're going to embrace the anxiety, 
and probably from the moment you wake up that morning up until the exam, mm-hmm. you're going to be implementing coping skills. Yep. All day. Which you are wanna, you wanna manage strategies. And, you're going to implement your strategies. <laughs> Her face. She made me sound all bougie. <laughs> so, belly breathing is one. Grounding is another one. Um, do you guys know what ground? Do you think they know what grounding is? Probably not. So, grounding is a way of... There's a lot of different um, methods for grounding. And it, it, it's kind of like you're, you're a ship at sea and you want to drop the anchor so you don't go out to sea in, in the midst of a storm. So, your anxiety would be like a shit storm coming towards you. And you, you don't want to go out to sea, but you need to kind of stay steady where you are or you will float away. So, you're going to drop that anchor. That's also an acceptance, acceptance commitment therapy um, metaphor. Um, but I like it because I, I, I like the visual of it because you can actually see the, the ship actually staying where it needs to say and even though it might be a little unsteady it's staying where it needs to say so um the most basic grounding that i know of and you might know some more and i always teach people this is five four three two one yeah it's one of my favorites five four three two one um really encompasses all of the senses um all five senses so see touch hear smell Mm -hmm. taste and basically what you're doing is you're connecting immediately to your environment um you're Mm -hmm. staying in the moment so without moving um, you identify five things that you can mm-hmm. see currently, four things you can um, touch, touch, three things you can hear, yep. two things you can smell, and one thing you can taste. And if it doesn't work the first time, do it again and pick different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that is really um, helpful in getting yourself back into the room, into the present moment. Um, I've actually laid on the floor with people. I have to. I'm like, feel the carpet. Yeah. To kind of get them a little bit more centered. And and I know it sounds like silly and it's not. It actually is very, very helpful. Um, once you get to that point where maybe you can get yourself grounded, um, once you, you're aware of what, what sort of triggers this anxiety, what brings upon your anxiety too, um, some other tactics that are really helpful. I mean, I personally, and this is... Any sort of movement, um, and I'm, I'm not going to be specific to exercise, I'm not, because sometimes people, that could be a whole nother session, uh, session, <laughs> like I'm like in session right now, that could be a whole nother um, episode too on, um, you know, over-exercising and how that can contribute to eating disorders, but movement releases energy, and in the moment when you're feeling anxious, even if you're just like a dancing around, just shaking, moving, um, and I don't mean like doing shaking, shaking, yeah, hands. doing something with your hands, like kind of getting that energy out. Like if you're vibrating with that anxiety, it's a nice release to be able to move. Another thing that's really helpful, um, and I'm, I'll say this one, and then you can add in whatever it is you want. Journaling is excellent if you keep up a daily practice of journaling. Now, journaling isn't for everybody. I've had some people who have said, "I love journaling. This is really helpful." Um, some people say, uh, this shit ain't for me. Look, I don't care. This is just a suggestion. Um, it is helpful in a situation where not necessarily the physiological symptoms, but when you're having the intrusive thoughts and your mind is racing and why I suggest journaling and whether it's actually writing something down, writing on your phone, talking into your phone, you're getting the thoughts out of your head. They might still be there, but you're putting them out. You're not letting them swirl around. You're actually taking them from your head and putting them out onto a piece of paper or your phone or whatever it is you choose to use in that moment. And it actually really is helpful. It's a release in and of itself. It calms the mind down. Just to get back to some of the um, the sciencey things and to add in a little tidbit that could be helpful for you, um, 
anxiety is not real. <laughs> it's real. We need it. It's a fear response. But anxiety is based on your worries about the future mm-hmm. or your past experiences. There's nothing present about anxiety. And so recognizing that if you're in your anxiety, you're living in your head and not in reality sometimes can be a new and fresh way to reframe the experiences that you're having so that you're able to focus on being more connected. Mm -hmm. Um, Grounding, the whole purpose is like to get back to present in your environment, Mm -hmm. connect, ground, connect, Um, anchor yourself, Um, you know, get out of this like imaginative uh, fear state. So we know that we can't give uh, comprehensive coping strategies to ah, people. She call herself. <laughs> I like it. Um, I like it. We're not your therapists. We would like to be, but we're not. Um, yeah. And we know that you want to be our clients, but of that's course, fine. that's fine. Um, <laughs> but this is something that you can work on uh, with your clinician. If you have a therapist, that's awesome. Work with them. If you don't have a therapist and you're looking for one, a great resource is psychologytoday.com. Um, This is a really comprehensive website of a bunch of clinicians nationwide. Mm -hmm. Um, What's awesome about psychology today is the ability to filter your search results based off of insurance if you need help with payments and coverage, based off of um, their specialties and the needs that you have, Mm -hmm. as well as their theoretical orientation if you are aware of types of interventions that work best for you. Yep. It's a great... And you could see people's bios and... Um, everyone has like a little blurb that they write about themselves. It gives you an idea of the type of work that they do, the modalities that they use that might interest you. So definitely use that as part of your uh, journey, the beginning of your journey, really. Yes, definitely. Um, one last thing before we wrap up, um, we want to make sure that you know that if you are in crisis, you reach out to the right people. Um, we will be linking the National Suicide Hotline to our episodes as well as to our bios on our social media. Mm-hmm. Um, please, please reach out if you're feeling suicidal, even if it's just passive. Um, yeah. Also, we want to make sure that you know that we will be continuing to put out episodes. We're so excited about this, and we want you to be a part of it. In order to be a part of it, please check us out on social media. Our Instagram account is at therapy. Um, my TikTok is at Christina LPC. So that's Christina with a C-H and LPC as the initials of my, uh, my license, licensed professional counselor. So Christina LPC. You may see, um, you may see a no BS therapy TikTok coming soon. No promises. Uh, you may so wants to start a TikTok. I'm so pumped. You may see a Twitter come through. You may see a YouTube account. You may see Facebook. What other social media is there? We're not doing Snapchat. I'm so over Snapchat. Yeah, we're not doing that. Um, Also, if you do decide to follow us on Instagram, just know that there is opportunity for your voice to be heard. If you're interested in um, giving us ideas about taboo topics that you want to hear about, that you're afraid to ask about, um, send us a message. Um, We'll do polls periodically. Yeah. And we hope to have a segment in the future where we can basically read our mail. Yeah, I would love to. I would love to get to the point where you guys are giving us so many great questions that we can actually sit here and do a question and answer. Yes. Um. That's that's on our agenda. But also, if you're a clinician with a specialty, we want to hear from you. Um. We would like to bring you onto our podcast yes. to do some interviews. So feel free to reach out to us there as well and let us know about what you do, 
and you know how you can support us and support the um, client environment that we have. Yeah. Um, Danielle and I are both, I mean, we, we do what we do, but there are so many other modalities that so many different cl clinicians have experience in and have knowledge in and can give feedback to you guys too. So yeah, we, we definitely want to Yeah, we by no means are like the, the, this, the end all be all. Yeah, this isn't therapy. like, this isn't like it for you. We're like two if, chicks on a couch yeah. who happen to have credentials. Yeah, <laughs> if, you didn't, if you didn't hear anything that was helpful to you, like, okay, like I, we aren't like the, the holy grail here, but we're just hoping that we get you to the direction that maybe you can now have a better idea of what it is that you're looking for for your own personal therapy journey. Absolutely. We are so excited that you're listening to us. Super we're excited. so excited that you're here, that we're here, yeah. and that this Pumped. is actually like really happening. Yes. And, um, and we'll see you in future sessions. Yeah. If you or someone you know is suicidal or considering acting on suicidal thoughts, please reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. If you feel like you're having a psychiatric emergency, please call 911 immediately or reach out to somebody that you love.